Hello. This is one that's sort of inspired by the video I made a few weeks ago about Karen Strawn. And it occurred to me then, I was kind of going to incorporate this into that video, but I thought maybe best to keep it separate. It occurred to me that what we have with Karen Strawn, and you know, based on some of the things she said in, in her comments that I was talking about, she understands that white people are under attack and she understands that it's a collective attack on them as a group, as a race, but she wants... And she understands that the, the only real response to that is to collectivize in order to stave it off, to stave off the attack. You have to understand that you are of this group that are, be, that are being targeted, that's been this group that has been identified by other people and singled out. Now, I suppose... That's better than nothing. It's a lot better than nothing. It's a lot better than the the centrist <laughs> the centrist approach uh, favoured by some YouTubers whom I shan't name, and which has been roundly demonstrated uh, as as a failing strategy, which is respond as individuals, refuse to collectivise, refuse to join in their silly game of identity politics, uh, see yourself as an individual and. Well, as Roaming Millennial said, just say no to identity politics. That is the... I mean, <laughs> hardly need to go on about that. I, I think it's pretty clearly a failing strategy. If you are being attacked as a group, you have to... I mean, you can either, you can kid yourself and, and refuse to, un, to accept that group designation, but then you'll just be slaughtered as a bunch of individuals. Even, the, even though the enemy will see you as a group, he will slaughter you as a bunch of individuals because that's that's what you're presenting him with. So, uh, so you can kid yourself about it, or you can uh, you can wake up and see, okay, yeah, we we have to stick together, and that's fine. Uh, but the well, okay, I'm going to just go into the the notes that that I made for this video. It occurs to me that uh, Karen Strawn and others like her, and I think there are many in her position, are at stage zero of what you might call stage zero of white advocacy or white... I don't know what else... Let's just, for the purposes of this video, let's call it white advocacy. White self-defence. Um, stage zero, which is individualist and unnatural. Because identifying with a group understanding that you are one of a people and so on is is very natural it's we know that babies do it uh, at a very young age all animals do it even plants do it you know it, it's it's part of existing is to seek out others like you and you know band together so okay stage zero which is individualist and unnatural and it goes like this white people are under attack or people who happen to be white are being unfairly attacked. I don't care about white people. I just care about people being unfairly attacked. And in this case, it happens to be white pe people who are who happen to be white. The white group could die out for all I care. And Karen Strawn did did say that. Uh, I, I, maybe not in so many words, but she said something to that effect. The white group could die out for all I care. I just don't want people being unfairly attacked. So that is individualist and unnatural, but it is recognising the threat. It is recognising the problem. 
And then stage one would be recognizing ourselves as a group. And then stage two would be deciding that our group should be protected. And then stage three would be deciding what action to take to protect our group. And stage four would be taking that action. But the crucial thing is stage zero, because all of these, from stage one onwards, uh, recognizing ourselves as a group, from stage one onwards, you're collectivist. You're thinking in collectivist terms. The stage zero, where you're just noticing the problem, is still individualist. And there are, as I said, there are lots of people who are at that stage. They're in that position. And I think the problem is, even though they see the injustice, they refuse to recognize the, what's really going on, uh, or at least they refuse to recognize what is the, the solution is to it, collectivizing. They, they don't want that. So what they'll do is they'll moan about anti-white rhetoric in the media, academia, and so on. But in the end, what they're, what they're really campaigning for, or what, what will be the result of their campaigning, is that white people will still, they might not be attacked anymore, but they'll still be bred out. And so, in a way, what they, what this people like Karen Strong, I don't want to single her out, but what people like that do is they force the threat to simply go underground. We, we, our enemies can no longer be openly anti-white, but they'll just, well, they'll just revert to doing what they've done for the last 50 years. You know, it's only in the last sort of five, ten, well, even less than that, really. It's only very recently that they've become openly anti-white. But they've been working this stuff for a very long time, quietly. And so if this individualist uh, defence is mounted against them, they'll simply revert to those old tactics. They will continue pushing non-whites into our countries. And, well, as I say, the result will inevitably be that we will be outnumbered or race-mixed out of existence. So our enemies will get the result that they want. They'll just get it done quietly. You might wonder why they've not done it quietly all along. You know, why in the last few years have they become far more triumphalist and uh, open about it? Because it only succeeds in waking up people like Karen Strawn. You know, when they see this, they hear this anti-white rhetoric and the racism that is sanctioned against white people and the endless talk of white privilege, what that does is it, it awakens people to the fact that this replacement of, or let's say the diversification of white countries, is not accidental. It's happening for a reason. It's happening because somebody somewhere hates, or at least wants the extinction of white people. So it, it's something that is, it, it's baffling really that our enemies are so, have decided to come out of the closet. But they have, and it's everywhere. And it might, I mean, you could say that the reason they've done this is that they want, they know that white people are eventually going to realise that they're being outnumbered, they're becoming outnumbered, or that they're on course to becoming outnumbered in their countries. They know that white people are going to realise that, so they want a cultural and psychological system in place to deal with their inevitable objections. So they come up with things like white privilege and all that, and those epistemic privilege, all this stuff, so as to preempt that self-defense from white people. Um, and unfortunately, what that in order to do that, they have to put their heads above the parapet and come out with that, this anti-white stuff, which risks 
awakening large numbers of people. So they're sort of caught between a rock and a hard place, really. They have to do this in order to uh, stymie the inevitable uh, revolt from white people. But in order to, to do this, they have to awaken white people in the meantime as to what's, what's planned for them. Anyway, what the, well, the result of this is that you have large numbers of people like Karen Strawn. And she is, uh, well, to recap, what she wants is for white people to survive, but on an individualist level, on an individualist basis. She wants their survival to be secured on an individualist basis. And I think this is where what she and also Sargon of Akkad and Jordan Peterson and also Brother John are all currently situated at this stage zero. And so are most normies, or at least normies who are aware of this problem at all. That's where these people are. And the reason they're stuck at stage zero of white advocacy is that they desperately don't want to become collectivists. So we need, as white identitarians, ethno-nationalists, whatever you want to call us, what we need is to build some kind of bridge from stage zero, which is individualist, to stage one, which is collectivist. Stage one is recognising ourselves as a group. But it has to be done... Well, okay, there are, let's, I'll go back to the notes. There are two possible courses that I can see from stage zero. And the first is pragmatic. The only way to protect these white individuals is for us to have group solidarity. This thought is, like stage zero, unnatural. And it is instrumental and transient and short-term. But it is also moral and based on the care, avoidance of harm mentality. It will cease operating once the threat to white people ceases. But then they will be vulnerable again. Because their, their, their group has not been established. They've, they've just been protected as individuals. But the long-term story, which transcends each individual's life and, and so on, has not been established. So you could, you could defeat our enemies or get them to quiet down or cease their efforts in the meantime. But you still wouldn't have established that, white, that the white race deserves to exist. And so our enemies could just resume their operations at some later date very easily. Also, uh, this pragmatic course, the only way to protect these white individuals is for us to have group solidarity. That pragmatic course also sees white people as a collection of individuals rather than a group. So you're still dealing with that mentality. And um, I did a... Uh, a definition of the, the, different, the difference between a collection of individuals and a group. And in fact, I'll read it out to you now, if I can find it. It was in Cologne and Collectivism, I believe. So let's see if I can read that out to you. Okay. A set of individuals. People who might share characteristics, but don't necessarily have any bond with each other, and whose existence is entirely in the present moment. Contrast that with a group. A people, uh, people who share characteristics and have a bond with each other and can be considered the present iteration of an entity which might have existed in the past and might exist in the future. So the, the concept of time has been introduced. 
which sort of inaugurates the group as a group rather than just a set of random individuals who happen to have some similarities. So that is the, di the difference. But this pragmatic course, the only way to protect white individuals is to have group solidarity, still doesn't actually accept that they have a group identity. It simply accepts the need for group solidarity out of circumstances. And so the result of that will be that this mentality, this pragmatic course, will settle for things that should not be accepted for the sake of peace. It will accept, for example, ceding group territory or ceding group resources for the sake of peace, uh, going along with condemnation of the group uh, for the sake of peace, advocating race mixing for the sake of peace, because at least you won't be bullying these individuals anymore because they won't be white anymore, accepting undeserved condemnation of the group for the sake of peace, and just otherwise, in many different ways, not fighting hard enough for justice since the justice would be received not by individuals necessarily, but by the group, and therefore is surely not worth fighting for. Um, so that's what's wrong with this pragmatic course. It's also wrong, it's also just wrong, because people should not be without a group that they belong to. It's, it's unnatural. And it also won't work, since other collectives will simply flatten a set of individuals. And it doesn't matter if you come up with this these individualist arguments as to why you shouldn't target these white people because they didn't implement slavery, they didn't go colonising the world and so on. It doesn't matter. Other collectives still see you as a collective. And I honestly think that this pragmatic response to anti-white racism is just doomed for all of these reasons. <coughs> But the other course, from stage zero to stage one, the, the other bridge, is romantic. And here's an example of it. It is right for white individuals to have group solidarity, regardless of any threats to their well-being in the here and now. Even without that, it is still right for them to identify as white, or in, uh, in other cases, as Danish, as Belgian, as Flemish, uh, Dutch, Swedish, and so on. It's still right for them to have that, even if they're not being attacked as individuals or as groups. Uh, since identity is about far more than short-term circumstantial factors or material benefits. And at that stage, I think you run into the problem that a lot of, in a lot of people now are individualists because they they literally don't see themselves as they know that they're white but they don't see any value in that perhaps because they're pampered they live in such a comfortable time so, so luxurious or perhaps because everything that would bind them together with other white people has been removed you know they take part in a global pop culture which is not historical it's not ancestral uh, and it's also not concerned with the future either. It's not connected to the past. It's also not connected to the future. It's very much our indulgence, our pleasures, our whims here and now. So it's not surprising that so many people hear about group identity and white, racial, ethnic, Swedish identity and just think, well, that's not for me. 
because they've, they've, it's, it's never been part of their lives before. You know, we're at that stage now where these old identities, national uh, identities, have been so sidelined that if anything, that they're a sort of trivial thing. Like, um, of course, I like uh, tennis. Of course, I like Wimbledon. I'm English. Yeah, you know, it's that trivial. But of course, that that is nothing because anyone can like Wimbledon. Anyone can be English now. So again, it's it's not reaching back into the past. It's still not identifying the group. It's identifying the culture, but not the group. And that's just one example, but there are many. And the point is, so many people don't have this as part of their lives, this romance about their, their racial, ethnic, national identity. And that's why it's so difficult, this other course, this other bridge from stage zero to stage one of white advocacy is going to be so difficult. We're going to somehow have to have to make people fall in love with their their ancestral identities, and I suspect that that will be. Well, I was going to say I, I suspect that it will be easier in European countries than it will be in the New World, but then again, you never know. Uh, America did have a fairly solid identity up until about a hundred years ago, less than that, fifty years ago. So. Who knows? But either way, I think that the pragmatic course, saying that, well, we should do this just in order to save these individuals from being harmed, it misses the point and is not actually effective. So there has to be romance, in other words. I think that is the only way that we will get masses of people from stage zero to stage one. And once they're at stage one, stage two, three, and four are will be much easier to traverse. I'll leave it at that. I'll certainly like to hear your ideas about this. Thank you for watching.